you will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a, this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B-O-D-I dot com. Live to tape. Season two, episode six. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. I'm laughing because as I'm playing the theme song, I see Laura quickly entering more info into our rundown. It just cracked me up for some reason. <laughs> well, it really cracked me up. It really cracked me up that where I wrote Patreon plugs, somebody wrote the word "butt" in front of "plug." That's why I started laughing. That should it definitely was... be a milestone. <laughs> that could be our physical gift uh, to for season three, a butt plug. With yeah, it'll have our hashtag. hashtag. It'll hashtag have our dangerous. some one of our best show quotes, you know, engraved onto the head. Mm-hmm. So it was President's Day weekend. Nice three day holiday. Did anybody do anything fun? Um, I took advantage of the seventy five percent off sale at Kohl's. Off what? Valentine's Day candy? No, fucking clothes and shit, man. I bought shit for myself. <laughs> Where did you buy use for other people? Your AARP card? What? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> what? They had their shit marked way the fuck down. I have no clothes. I took advantage of the holiday <laughs> sale and I got myself a deal. <laughs> we went to the early bird special right before six a.m. I was there before noon. No, no offense to Kohl's, but that's kind of an old person store. No, it's not. No, it is so cool. They have Quicksilver. <laughs> <laughs> I used to go there with my parents. And I never went again. They they do have kid stuff and young adult stuff. Well, but... l- female listener poll, like those of you who own vaginas, let us know what you feel about the Kohl's lines for women because they're actually really nice. I went into a Kohl's for the first time like last year and it was basically like I, I felt as if I was walking into 2003 again because yeah. all the clothes are very like skater style and like like pants with a bunch of like like carpenter pants everywhere. Maybe it's just for the men's side. Maybe well, they just forgot no, that men I I definitely to. like rolled in there and did some wheelies and then got myself some carpenter pants. I look so fly. So right would... after Golden Corral. <laughs> <laughs> no, Golden Corral was actually after. I would have loved to go to Kohl's to get that sale, but I was actually up in San Francisco where there where it's very trendy. And uh we were all up there few years ago for a harry potter conference oh, that's mm-hmm. right yeah they have great grass there do you guys remember <laughs> that when we when we did our, our twilight tour uh the when we were driving to our first destination we drove past this this i guess it was a house or some building that had really really long grass in the in, the, in their side yard but it was so like vibrantly neon green it looked like it was from like uh charlie and the chocolate factory and we stopped to take a picture we actually got it out of the car and took a picture of us touching the grass. Yeah, really sad. <laughs> Side note: they were all on shrooms when this <laughs> happened. So well, it was. I, yeah, I was just. It, San Francisco is such a beautiful city, and it reminded me that I wanted to ask you all what your favorite city in the U.S. is, because I really, I you know, of course, it's nice to travel overseas and see the rest of the world, but there's so much to see here in America. I sound like a, a presidential candidate, but there's so many beautiful cities around this country. 
mm-hmm. and so many unique ones. In particular, my favorite cities in the U.S. are San Francisco and New Orleans because those two, I'm sure there are others, but those two have such unique character that you won't see in any other city other than their own. I agree. I, I do love New Orleans as well, but I think if I had to pick two cities, I would say for me it's a toss-up between D.C. and Seattle. Um, I have family that live out in Seattle. I used to go out there every summer, and it has a lot of the same kind of quirky characteristics that you might recognize in cities like San Francisco and New Orleans, so I really love it. Um, but there's just something about the atmosphere of D.C., uh, that just really appeals to me. And it's probably the politics side of it. But there's also just a lot of really awesome things to do there. I think Elisa can speak to that more than I can. Um, yeah. But yeah, I love both of those. Um, I don't remember much of our tour because of the shrooms. <laughs> but I know that <laughs> when we were driving down the West Coast, it was really my first time seeing the West Coast. And I just thought the whole fucking thing was beautiful. So I don't really remember the difference between like Seattle versus Portland or anything. Cause it was all a blur, a drunken blur to me, but I remember thinking it was gorgeous. Uh, if it counts, I'm going to go with Honolulu just because I love Hawaii. And why wouldn't, yeah, why wouldn't that count? <laughs> because I feel like it's cheating, you know, like <laughs> why kind of cheating because it it's, it is a state. It's a state, yeah, but a state is just, you know, that's a very theoretical legal, like, term. Like, you know, in terms of, in terms of its position to the United States, in terms of what we think is beautiful, it's nowhere near the rest of us. So, yeah, are but you, like, are I you think... one of those people who would go to the airport in Hawaii and be like, I need to get back to the States? No, I go there and I, and I very slowly in my awful American accent, I, I say, <laughs> Aloha, hola, <laughs> and, I, and they're looking at me like, "What's wrong with you?" I'm like, "Welcome to America." I, yeah, I would definitely say that. I would definitely say that uh, Honolulu is definitely a country city. Like, I think the like the conversation that you're thinking of would have more merit if you said like Puerto Rico or something, where like we technically own the fucking country, but right. we don't. We, we don't we really like. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that. Okay, Donald I'm, Trump agrees with you. I'm gonna just not. Yeah, it's like the that. it's it's All like right. the uh, white Anglo-Saxon family that kind of does pushes away the son who didn't get into Brown or something. What's your favorite city, Matt? Mexico. <laughs> no, um, I, w- I actually is a combination of both uh, Laura and Andrews. I really love San Francisco. Uh, I think San Francisco is basically a, a city, but with a small town kind of vibe to it. It's uh, just got really, really amazingly nice people, and the city's beautiful, a lot of culture. And I like D.C. Uh, because I like the combination of just uh, like just the vibe that what's going on, like the politics, but also there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of there's a really good nightlife and there's a lot of like really good schools and so there's like college towns so it really just has a great combination of of just so many different kind of vibes at the same time. I love DC because it's close to Elisa. That's my thank opinion. you. I was waiting for someone to say that. <laughs> I mean, that's like the third no. reason on my yeah, list guys- of why I love DC. Go shove it. So the Top millennial, five. The millennial Top tour five. will be hitting San Francisco, New Orleans, D.C., and Seattle. And Honolulu. And Honolulu. <laughs> I've never been to Hawaii. I really want to do that. Don't, Me too. Where did it go? Where go? <laughs> Live show. So we have a hidden from the headlines update, don't we, Laura? That's right. Yes. So some of you might remember a story we talked about a couple of weeks ago concerning a proposed bill in California that would require manufacturers of smartphones to decrypt their devices, uh, which would effectively give manufacturers and the FBI a backdoor into mobile devices, which would leave all of us vulnerable to hackers and, quite frankly, what we here at Millennial consider to be unlawful surveillance. Well, there is a movement going on in the House right now to try and pass the Encrypt Act. This is a bipartisan piece of legislation proposed by Democratic Representative Ted Lieu and Republican Representative Blake, what's this guy's name? Farenthold, Blake Farenthold, which if passed would override 
any state-level encryption bills. The proposed bill, sta- proposed bill states that, quote, a state or political subdivision of a state may not mandate or request that a manufacturer, developer, seller, or provider um, should um, design or alter the security functions in its product or service to allow the surveillance of any user of such product or service. Um, and it basically just goes on to state that your state, the United States, or any form of uh, surveillance operation cannot get into your device using a decryption law. Um, so the bill in and of itself is actually quite short, and we'll provide the link in the show notes so that you can read it. But we really, really encourage all of you to reach out to your representatives to voice support for the Encrypt Act so that it can hopefully pass the House and maybe potentially get some attention in the Senate. But let's be honest, it'll probably sit there for like a million years. Yeah, it'll be sitting right in front of the Supreme Court ruling or justice decision. Yeah, which we're going to be talking about later today. Yeah. Yay. Okay. (laughs) So uh, before we get on to an AP choice, a quick Patreon plug. We actually are getting very close to our next milestone. We're about $100 away from that next milestone. Once we hit it, it's going to be time to go to the movies, bust out the popcorn. Uh, Patreon supporters will get to choose a movie and the host will watch and record real time commentary and release it for all the supporters. So it'll be our first movie commentary, which will be fun. And then after that, in another 300 ish dollars, we are going to be doing a new what we're calling a forever benefit after dark live. So once we reach this goal, one episode of after dark will be recorded live on Google Hangout every month and five dollar and above patrons will be able to watch live so we would love your support if you haven't already patreon.com slash millennial and read more about the benefits and what we're planning i'm really hoping that when it comes time to do the the movie commentary that all the listeners vote for porn and we're forced (laughs) to all sit there and narrate ball slapping sex for an hour oh we've done that before yeah, but now we have to put it on the internet. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I, I I agree though. I think we have more to say with porn videos than like with films. How about All right, so it? one of your one of your options, guys, is Backdoor Sluts Four. <laughs> we'll put that in the poll. I, I'm dead I, serious. That's going in the poll. How about how about <laughs> one like a movie parody porn? So like a Star Wars: The Force Awakens porno parody, or Lord of the Rings, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like Love Peckers it. of the Caribbean. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time now for that AP choice. This comes from RS Vivs. I live in a conservative area, Orange County, California, and a lot of anti-Obama bumper stickers have shown up. Obama has put the U.S. in the toilet, says one. This is D- Detroit, thanks to Obama and liberal welfare programs, says another. The ladies are far more politically aware than I am, so I'm curious as to what you see as the legitimacy of these statements. I'm not foolish enough to believe that the other side is 100% deluded, so I'm curious in what ways the U.S. is worse off, you mentioned the press for one, than before Obama, and how much of the failure in Detroit can be linked to the current administration slash welfare? Do we, uh, are people just printing BS on bumper stickers, or are we supposed to believe these things? That's usually what's on bumper stickers, to be fair. I mean, bumper stickers are kind of like Donald Trump in that they are supposed to present really easy, quickly digestible thoughts. So there may not be very much merit to what's being written on them. And I would say there's not much merit to what's being written on these. I mean, Mm -hmm. comparing Orange County to Detroit, I think is pretty fucking offensive considering some of the things that the people in Detroit are going through. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I think he's he's also curious though. He think he's asking here, what are some of the ways in which the other side, quote unquote, so I guess conservatives are actually right. So I'm curious, in what ways is the U.S. worse off than before Obama? Mm-hmm. I would, I think number one, I would say that everybody, not just conservatives but liberals too, put far too much stock in what the president can and cannot do, and what they do and do not affect. So very often you'll see these ridiculous graphs of gas prices, for example, and how they've risen or fallen over a president's administration. The president has like no impact on that, next to none. 
And that goes for Bush and Obama and everyone else. So I guess my first thing I would mm-hmm. say is I think there's far too much focus on on top-down politics and people looking towards the executive branch to explain away things like Flint and Detroit. The reality is that most politics are local and that most change happens on a local level. And so I don't think Obama has that much to do with any of this shit, just like I didn't think George Bush had anything to do with local shit during his tenure either. The mm-hmm. only thing that I think Obama, um, may, you could argue that he, he failed with is, is bridging, is bridging divides um, political divides. I think that it is noticeably worse today than it was before his presidency. Um, now I'm biased, however, and I think that a lot of that has to do with the GOP becoming obstructionist since the Tea Party moved in. But I do think it's a fair thing to to point out. I would say from an education standpoint, um, there are certain things about Common Core standards that I am not crazy about, like the amount of standardized testing that we're doing now. Um, I know Obama has come out and said that he actually wants to do something to limit the amount of standardized testing we're putting students through to two or three percent of the time that they're spending per year. But right now, a lot of schools are putting so much pressure on both the teachers and the students um, in order to meet these these mass testing standards. And that's something that I, I find particularly problematic about some of the education policy that has been implemented during the Obama administration. Mm. So before we get to the news, we have two important items to talk about today. <laughs> they're but two very different topics. <laughs> very different topics. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to play again <laughs> one of our new games. Uh, Laura, you better not bring this up during Scalia. We need our full <laughs> attention on Scalia. Yeah, well, guess what? Um, I probably will. So for those of you at home who haven't played this before with us, the game is called On the Spot. This is the game where one of the hosts randomly picks uh, one of the three remaining hosts to answer a random ass question at any point during the episode. So I'm going to be hosting this game today. I will randomly pick one of my colleagues and ask them a really random ass fucking question, probably in the middle of the Scalia discussion. Um, And it's it's (laughs) going to be a lot of fun. Uh, they don't know who I'm going to pick. They don't know what I'm going to ask. So it'll be a fun surprise. I have a feeling Laura's going to pick me because she was like, Andrew, you want to do this? You want to play this <laughs> segment? And I'm like, no, I'm busy. Sorry. So <laughs> I think she's going to get back at me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. So getting on to these two news topics today. First of all, uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. We found out over the past week that the official quote-unquote eighth story, not the eighth book exactly, will be published as a book, the script for this play. So, and it's going to be published on July 31st, which is just a couple of weeks after um, the play opens in London. This is a big deal because this is the... The eighth story, as they're calling it. So it, we're kind of getting an eighth Harry Potter book, which is surreal to say. Of course, it's going to be very different than J.K. Rowling's seven Harry Potter novels because that uh, because it is in script form. So it's going to be a very different reading experience. But um, fans were relieved because there was concern that the story wasn't going to be made accessible to the world, which sucks because that's what Harry Potter, it's always been accessible to everybody around the world for the most part. Um, and not to mention once this play started, since it is official canon, um, there would be spoilers online and you'd be finding out this big information through someone's dumb Tumblr post or Andrew's dumb hypable post. You don't want, you don't want to be spoiled that way. You want to read it and discover it yourself. So it was good that they announced that it's going to be released on July 31st, a lot sooner than anyone probably expected. You would have thought that they would have given the play the exclusive, you know, they kept it in in the play. But I think I think the fact that they decided to announce this all or release it the same time the play starting means that they really don't want spoilers to get out there. So how did you three react to this news? I wasn't surprised surprise that they're that they're releasing it in book form or 
published script form. Um, I figured, I always figured they would, it just didn't make sense any other way, but I would just like to say like, can we stop calling it the eighth book? It's not the eighth book. It's a yes. script. It's a script that JK Rowling didn't even write. Okay. Granted, it's a script that was written based on her, on the story that she wrote, but they keep publicizing this. And in big letters, it says by JK Rowling. And then underneath it's like, in a screenplay adapted by Jack Thorne. So I just kind of feel like there's a little bit of false advertising going on here. I'm still looking forward to it, but it's a a script. It's not a book. Yeah, it's like when a movie says, like, inspired by true events, but it's not exactly what happened. I, I, yeah, I I completely agree with Laura. I I, I knew it was going to happen. I didn't really see why people were... um, Okay, like sorry. debating whether it's none, but, none uh, of y'all thought this was going to happen this summer. No way. No, yeah, not I this did. summer. I'm but pretty way. sure. I'm pretty sure. Last time I was on MuggleCast, I actually said I thought it was going to happen. So this summer. All right, I'm going back. Oh yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Spe- if I, I don't okay, know if I said this summer, though, but like but... I, I didn't figure that they were going to publish it six months after the play came out. That doesn't make any sense. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know. I almost kind of wish that they kept it as a play. Just to have its own thing. Well, they are keeping it as a play. They're just publishing the script. No, but I mean, like, to have, like, the script in there. Well, then that's kind of... Are they really going to release it in script format? Or is it going to be written like a novel? No, it's script format. No, you're getting the script. So they're just printing the script and releasing it. Yes. Basically. Then then that's not a book. Correct. (laughs) That is not a novel. So then, therefore, it cannot be the eighth book. It is the first script. J.K. Rowling did produce and she co-wrote it. I I don't think anything happens in this story that she did not explicitly say yes to. So let's say a character dies. Do you think Jack Thorne did that? No. J.K. Rowling signed off on it. She's probably... Or maybe he wrote it and she okayed it. No, he adapted her story. That's what happened. She wrote a story and he adapted it into script format because she's not a playwright. I totally get that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm excited to read it, but I just think that there's kind of an attempt going on to make it look like she wrote the script and she mm-hmm. didn't. That's all. That's my only that's, beat. Yeah, that's fair. I think people need to understand that this was not just her, for sure. And I mean, yeah. right on the cover, at least what they have up on Amazon right now, it says, based on an original news story by J.K. Rowling, Jack Thorne, and John Tiffany. So, right. I mean, they have to sell it. So, like, J.K. It's Rowling... Mostly, I, think, I think it's mostly the clickbait titles on all of the, the news... Yes. On the news that yeah. is, are selling it as something different. I think that, yeah. My, here's my question. What's going to happen to this state of literature in this world when J.K. Rowling stops doing anything? <laughs> what do you mean? What's going to happen? Because I feel like our generation and slowly but surely, you know, the next generation is becoming more, you know, very embroiled in Harry Potter. Everyone loved it. We all grew up on it. And even to this day, I can safely say... None of us expected it to go on this long, even though the books, mm-hmm. you know, the, the books proper are behind us between, you know, the theme parks and the new uh, Beast, the Fantastic Beast movie. And then this play, I feel like the fandom has really the life of it has been extended far beyond what we had ever imagined. And in some ways, that's super cool. But in other ways, it's like I really wish that someone else would come out and write another fantastic series that we can all sink our teeth into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there have been, you know, Twilight and the Hunger Games. They they got close. Of course, yeah. they're, they're no Harry Potter yeah. or Lord of the Rings. But I think also, I think the only one was really Twilight that got even semi-close. And that was only because really it was happening around the same time that Harry Potter was ending. Mm-hmm. There was... Yeah. I mean, there I was just... there was the Hunger Games and there was Divergent, but they, I I I don't think that they even came close to really getting on the heels of what no, Harry Potter because Harry mm-hmm. Potter captured a generation, mm-hmm. right? Twilight. That's something that none of those franchises have done. Yeah, right. And that's generally what Hollywood does with franchises. They basically find what worked with something that was original and they try to copy it. Well, and I'm not even just talking about the hype. I don't give a fuck about the hype. I'm talking about the originality of of the story and of the characters and the depth of the characters. You don't see that in in anything else that's that's come out. Certainly, there's been other series that have been very well-loved and have been hyped up and been very successful, like Divergent and Twilight and everything else. But it's 
it's not the same. There's not a lore. There's not a universe there that's going to follow generations of humans. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, like Lord of the Rings did that. Lord of the Rings set the bar. Harry Potter met that bar. And what's what's next, I guess, is my question. What's next? Yeah. Do you guys want to make a fan site for whatever's next? I think we've been there, done that, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was and... fun. <laughs> Okay, well, that's that. I'm sure we'll talk about it come this summer. I'm going to spoil it. I'm seeing it in June. I'm going to spoil it for all you guys. And you guys aren't even going to have a moment to pause. I'm just going to open the show with, (laughs) Welcome to Millennial Season 2, Episode 32, Hermione's Gay. Yeah, either that or Ron dies of alcohol poisoning. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's move on now to our other story. The story that we've all been waiting to talk about, um, the sudden out-of-nowhere death of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. He, I I think it was, what, was it Saturday? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yes, on Saturday, um, news broke somewhat out of nowhere uh, Saturday evening that Anton Scalia was found dead of natural causes uh, in his, in his, um, in his apartment, I think, or was it? It was, no, in he a was resort. actually, uh, he was on a resort. He, he had mm-hmm. gone quail hunting in Texas. Okay. Deadliest, okay. The deadliest of the hunting games. And we don't know exactly what natural causes means at the moment. Um, there's some speculation, probably a heart attack, something along those lines. Either way, you know, he wasn't he, he wasn't young, but he wasn't that old either. I think it caught the whole country by surprise. And, you know, very, very briefly for any international listeners, of course, the Supreme Court has nine justices. It's the highest court in the land. And their job is to interpret the Constitution. And really, the buck stops with them. So if there's a question of, of legality or constitutionality, they're the ones who decide. Scalia has been notoriously controversial. He was nominated by Ronald Reagan and uh, confirmed by the Senate. And ever since he's been there, he's been very staunch conservative. He is what we call here um, a constitutional – well, he reads the constitutional – or the constitution rather very literally, very, very literally as we'll talk in a moment. So – but I guess the first question is just how – this was really big news. Let's be clear that mm-hmm. it's been a long time since – and it's been a long time since the Supreme Court justice has died while they're on the bench. And it doesn't happen that often. How did you guys find out? <laughs> um, well, it was really interesting because I got a push notification and I texted Elisa immediately and I was like, holy shit, Scalia died. And she wrote back immediately and said, I know, I just found out too. So this immediately launched she and I into a miles-long Facebook chat about all of the implications, how it affects the rest of the Obama administration, how it affects the upcoming election and the candidates. And Matt and Andrew probably muted wanted it. to murder us. <laughs> we muted the conversation. Disturb. Um but yeah, I mean, of course, anytime I find out something politics related, the first people I go to are you guys. So <laughs> Elisa, mm-hmm. let's be real. Yeah. I, I, By you yeah, guys, you I just, mean Elisa. I was in the Walt Disney Family Museum up in San Francisco. <laughs> and, and my boyfriend whispered to me, like, we're, you know, we're walking around reading stuff. It's called you died. I'm like, what? So I pull out my phone. And of course, I see I see the the, the messages from YouTube coming in <laughs> every five seconds. And then but also it was I, I heard people whispering it around the museum to their, their people they were there with. It's clear that. It's clear you died. It's clear. It's clear. It's like, blood, it's like that Bloody Mary game. Bloody Mary. Bloody yeah. Mary. And obviously it is a big deal, like you say, because it, it happens so rarely. And this is the highest court in the land. There's, there's nine of these people. And they, they, when they're selected, as I think we've spoken about previously, they stay, um, in the Supreme Court on the bench for life that that is what they will do for the rest of their life so and you know adding on top of this (laughs) as we're going to talk about it's during an election year which has already caused a lot of controversy so so yeah yeah and i would just like to point out too that actually before this happened we had all agreed that we wanted to take a break from election discussions because we feel like 
we're all starting to get a little bit of election fatigue and then Scalia had to go and die and we're like, come on, Scalia. <laughs> like, you couldn't wait a week. Come uh, on. Sidebar, I know we're not going to get into this, but there's already these conspiracy theories about his death. Oh, yeah, because oh, they're skipping the autopsy. Yeah, yeah, but but most people don't get autopsies. You only They only do autopsies if there's suspicious circumstances. He was a 79-year-old obese man. Yeah. It's just... It's there's nothing suspicious about that. I'm I sorry. Have to, I have to I have to tell you guys really quickly what happened to me when I found out because I was I was spending the entire day doing homework. I was really exhausted. I'd gotten like two hours of sleep for like the previous four nights. And so I was actually in the middle of a nap when it happened. And when I went to go take a nap, I told my boyfriend, I said, don't wake me up unless like literally someone dies. I do not. <laughs> I don't want to be yes. disturbed. I don't care if there's an earthquake. Like I, there needs to be like something serious. And he's like, all right, all right, fine. I lay down. It's not 10 minutes later. And he screams. He's like, someone died. I think he's playing a prank. I think he's joking. So I'm like, fuck off. I was just about to fall asleep. What is wrong with you? He's like, no, I'm not fucking kidding. Scalia just died. <laughs> I, I pop up, and, you know, it, the whole thing started. So suffice it to say, there was no nap for me that day. And I have like this Michael Bay scene going on in my head right now. of Just like <laughs> just shit blowing up inside your bedroom while you're getting out of bed. <laughs> well, I um. I was going to say, I think it's needless to say that there was also no napping for the GOP or the Democrats no. after this, because there's no. been a lot of back and forth. Some of you might have seen that prominent figures such as Mitch McConnell, Ted Cruz, yes. Yes. and who else? There was another one. This is the only two I saw, but okay. I think that was well, the only two. Those two came out and said that in order to respect Justice Scalia's memory, that Obama should not nominate somebody for the court, that he hmm. should leave it for the next president. Hmm. So it's really no. cute and really funny because that's not how it works. <laughs> it, it it's It's funny. The whole situation is hilarious. It speaks to the hypocrisy that the conservatives can have sometimes. They speak about protecting the Constitution and then you go look at the Constitution and selecting Supreme Court justices, and right there you you see that it is the president's duty to select a new to nominate right. a new justice it's, in a it's, timely it's manner. It's his job. Like, do your fucking job. I don't care. Well, you know what's really funny about this, though, especially that Mitch McConnell did this. I do not remember which president it was under, but it was at a point when there was a Democratic majority in the Senate, and the Democrats were trying to do the same thing. They were trying to run out of the clock. Yes. So that they so that they could nominate somebody if they won the White House. And Mitch fucking McConnell came out and tried like basically like eviscerated them. Yeah. For trying to take mm -hmm. the right away from the president to nominate a Supreme Court justice not person. So it's just it's really funny. Well, sunrise. And to offer, to offer a little more context, this is this would tip the court. Yes. To go the liberal way. So, of course, conservatives are losing their minds because uh, it would just it, 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 it I, I feel bad for them because I understand it must suck so bad to know that Obama is probably going to nominate someone who doesn't agree with uh, conservatives. Certainly not as much as Scalia did. I mean, that's for sure. Maybe Obama will try to pick somebody who floats somewhere in the middle, but probably not. But here's not. the thing. Their best bet is to let Obama nominate somebody because that's going to be their best chance for getting a moderate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because right. I'm sorry, chances are they're going to lose the White House. And if they lose the White House and the Democrats manage to flip the Senate, then they're guaranteed a liberal judge. Right. Right. But right now they have a Republican controlled Senate. This is their best chance to confirm a moderate justice and they need to stop fucking around. Well, they've already basically kind of shot themselves in the foot for the past eight years because the uh, the Senate has shot down so many, so many things. Yeah. And speaking of which, they've already come out and said that they're going to reject 
whoever Obama puts up. Right. So like th- that just goes like they're right there just says that they are unwilling to negotiate, which is exactly what this country was found on. Not by their own f- fucking. Oh, I just uh, it just gets me so upset. I don't understand. Here's here's. OK. Scalia, as, as I mentioned, he interpreted the Constitution very strictly, very literally. And my understanding is that the GOP wants, specifically Lord McConnell over there, wants to remember Scalia and honor Scalia by obfuscating his constitutional obligation to have an up or down vote on a nominee. So here's a guy who devotes his entire life to the Constitution and the rule of law. And McConnell says, I have a great idea. Let's honor his memory by fucking over the Constitution and the rule of law. That's like, I, I can't, That that's like if, okay, that that's like if you're in school and your teacher's like, today we're going to celebrate Willy Wonka Day. Here's a bucket of broccoli. Like what is that? What is that about? I don't I don't understand why they're why they're shooting themselves in the foot like this. Well, I think part of it might be because they're woefully ignorant about how this even works. I mean, during the last GOP debate, I believe it was Ted Cruz who said that we have never nominated somebody to the Supreme Court during an election year, and that's patently false. We've done it 10 times. And was and you know I hate when stuff like that happens and the debate moderators don't call them out on that shit. Like they should have researchers working in the background ready to call them out. GOP, Democrat, whatever, it doesn't matter. Ready to call them out through an earpiece and get this stuff out. And hopefully, hopefully that stuff will come up in the the debates when it gets down to you know the one on one debates. But I just hate when that happens because Ted Cruz acts all. I was watching when that happened. I got so pissed off. He was acting so smug, like he knew what he was talking about. He was just so wrong. Is is this going to end up um, helping turn the Senate over to the Democrats? Are people fu- is this what's going to make people want to vote in Democrats when they see the GOP pulling off this shit? I don't know. I mean, what I will say is that Democrats and liberals in general are really bad about voter turnout, and. Not, I mean, obviously, I'm terribly biased here, and I would like to see the Senate flipped. But I will just say, like, from an objectively political standpoint, that this would be a really good reason for Democrats to turn out and vote. This would be an incredibly good reason. And it's also probably going to be a reason why Republicans come out in droves, because they are really fucking good at doing that. They're much (laughs) Mm -hmm. better... They're much better at doing it than liberals are. Yeah. So that was my question. I'm, I'm wondering if this will be able to push liberals out into the voting booths. Because what else What else will? You need a special situation. <sighs> or Hillary. I mean, Bernie. I think Bernie's helping, too. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think. I, I think, think he is, too. Yeah, yeah he is. Absolutely. But, I mean, let's just, let's just talk about what would happen if the Republicans shot down any candidate that Obama gave them over the next few months. The law, I think, what is it? The average time that we have for, for getting a confirm or or a rejection from the Senate is 25 days. Yeah. So the Senate has never taken more than 125 days to vote on a Supreme Court nominee. Never. 125 days is the max. To put this into comparison, Obama still has 340 days left in his term. So this would definitely be setting a record. Um, and as Laura said, the average is 25 days. Usually we get a confirm or, or deny within, within a month. So I, I want to use this opportunity to point out, and I know that it is just beating a dead horse, but I really think that it should not be underestimated how, how, nakedly political how how obstructionist uh, the current gop in congress is i don't mean every republican in the country i don't mean states i mean the gop in congress right now is is they're unprecedented in their level of obstruction we've not by the numbers tell the full story you know Mm -hmm. 340 340 days left 
And that's breaking a record. The numbers tell the story. It's unprecedented how fucked up they are right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and let's also just keep this on the Supreme Court. I mean, what happens if the court is split on all of the issues that are on their docket right now? Yeah, so that's a good question. There's a couple of things that that can happen. One is if they're split, uh, the decision kind of defaults to the lower court and whatever the lower court decided. And that has a lot of implications for a number of important cases, as we'll discuss in a moment. But in general... It means that the Supreme Court isn't deciding shit, that it's decided by the lower appellate court. That being said, what is good or bad, depending on who you ask about that scenario, is because a split decision on the Supreme Court means that the decision is ultimately decided by the appellate court, it means that there's no precedent. It means that the Supreme Court hasn't spoken on the issue Mm -hmm. because a split doesn't really count. So it means they haven't really spoken, which means that that issue can come back up again, you know, and in, in later on, you know, yeah, years like or what, whatever. Like, like up to two years. I think it's like they they usually wait a year averagely. And but like they also waited up to two. Well, that's well. So that's the second thing that can happen is that if the court decides not to just if the Supreme Court decides not to defer to the lower courts, they can just delay. They can just say, okay, we definitely want to decide this one, but we can't do it right now. We're not in any position to do it right now, so we're going to delay, and they can put it off for a year or however long and then get to it later. So those are the two scenarios if we get a split court on any decision. But there are a number of, like, this really, really does a number on the docket. Laura and I were talking about this a little bit, and, like, there are some huge fucking cases that are getting ready to be argued here. Um Not the least of which, the one that most people are talking about is the Texas abortion case. I don't know if you guys have heard about this at all, but effectively the state of Texas passed legislation saying that in order to be an abortion clinic, you had to check off a number of new boxes. You had to have um, a bunch of very specific hospital equipment at your disposal. You had to have... um, uh, access to a hospital nearby. You had to be licensed to access a hospital nearby. And they imposed all these new regulations on on what you have to do to be an abortion clinic. And that's being challenged. The reason it's being challenged is because, you know, one side's arguing that that imposes a serious obstruction to women's ability to get abortions because it is closed mm-hmm. down. It's closed down three quarters of the abortion clinics in Texas. Currently, there are only 10 left that are open. So if a woman needs or wants an abortion, she has to drive hundreds of miles to go and get one. Um, She would have to fly, technically. In some cases, she might have to fly. But the bottom line is that there's hardly any of them left after these new regulations. And so the question is, is that constitutional? Um, And it looked like with Scalia on the court, that the that they were definitely going to rule that it, yeah it's constitutional that they can obstruct it however they want because Scalia was notorious for being anti-abortion he did not think that there was any anything in the Constitution that that denoted a right to abortion yeah and I mean this is one of the reasons that I will say this I'm never I'm never happy to see that somebody has died. I would never wish death on anyone. I'm not sorry that he's not on the court anymore. That's a good way to put Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) You know, this, I mean, for those of you who may not know, he wrote a really scathing dissent about the decision to legalize same-sex marriage Mm -hmm. last summer. Um, He has said other terrible things. He basically said that black people don't have the intellectual prowess to function effectively at institutions of higher education. She said some pretty fucked up shit. Right. So I mean, politically, politically, fault. I'm, I'm glad that he's not there, but I also know that he and justice Ginsburg were really good friends I love and that. she, she had some really touching things to say about him. So I think it's really important to take this as an opportunity to, to say that sometimes you can separate somebody from their politics yeah. And even if you if you find somebody's political opinions to be completely reprehensible, 
um, that there can still be some good there. I felt I agree. And I felt I feel about Scalia the same way I kind of feel about my grandfather. I feel like, you know, <laughs> very outdated values. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you can't you love them and respect them as a human being. You know, that they're like a good person in their heart. But what I want my grandfather on the Supreme Court. Fuck no. I don't want my grandfather going grocery <laughs> shopping for me. I don't want him notarizing a fucking letter, let alone on the Supreme Court. And that's exactly <laughs> how I felt about Scalia. Like, I wish in my ideal world, he would still be alive, just retired. So I think whatever. the Onion headline said it best. Justice Scalia dead following 30 year battle with social progress. Oh, 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 it's true. It's true, though. <laughs> it's true. Actually, but... so I'm sorry, really quickly, because this is so important. Does, uh, the other the other case that this is going to impact is that of unions. Have you guys read about this at all? Mm-mm. So I'll keep I'll keep it brief. I promise. But but basically, this actually comes out of um, California, I think. And the idea is that people shouldn't should people be required to pay union fees so if you're part of a public union like for example the teachers union if you're part of a public union should you be required to pay fees for that union some people say yeah you should because whether you want to pay those fees or not that union is representing you and they're the ones who are collectively bargaining for higher salaries and for better benefits so you should have to pay to be part of that because otherwise Collective bargaining falls apart, and so does salary negotiation. So does all of that, and you are reaping the benefits from that. That's what the liberals say. Conservatives say no. No one should be forced to be part of any club or any organization ever. Um, and that's the argument. Now, this the court was definitely going to come down on the conservative side, and it was going to have massive, massive. Uh, repercussions for unionizing. I mean, we were going to see unions across the country just be obliterated. They're going to fall apart. Um, but now maybe they won't. It, it remains to be seen, but that's another case that's really up in the air. Okay. Yeah. And we, we definitely have a few other things. I mean, there's def- there's immigration, there's voting rights. I don't know that we have enough time to get into both of those today, but we'll definitely discuss them at a later point. Um, Before we move on, though, I did just want to ask Andrew something to you real quick. Oh, no. (laughs) No. Uh, (laughs) He guessed it. All right. If I could guarantee you with 100% certainty that you could have sex with Bruce Springsteen. Now, before you say yes, listen to the rest of my question. You could have sex with Bruce Springsteen. But with the stipulation that you had to kill Bono first, <laughs> would you do it? Oh, well, that's, you know, that's tough because Bono does a lot for this world. He does a lot of good with Project Red and all that. Um, but I think vocally he has peaked. So, yeah, I would kill him. <laughs> <laughs> like, would you kill him? Would you kill him like right before you ki- like fucked Bruce? Like, no, I would need a grieving period. <laughs> <laughs> Like five minutes or something. I would feel, oh, that's a tough situation. But I am curious what it would be like to have sex with Bruce Springsteen. Not that I've ever fantasized. Alternate question. Could you kill Bono immediately after you finished fucking Bruce? <laughs> what? Like, could you could you blow your load and then just, <laughs> then then just and go and kill Bono? Bono? Could Bono, you maybe you... kill Bono with your load? Is the real question. <laughs> Bono, stop watching us have sex. <laughs> Also, I really enjoy, Andrew, how you don't want to kill Bono because he's done so much, so much good for the world. But then you're like, eh, but he's kind of jumped the shark. So fuck it. <laughs> he has All right. Well, that's vocally, that's that's how we play on the spot. All Thank right. you, Andrew. Thank you. Did <laughs> did you switch the question after I, I after I made the guess? No, actually, I didn't. Mm. I, I you you hit it right on the head. I mean, I was punishing you for not planning the segment. I'm going to have dirty thoughts the rest of this episode. <laughs> okay, so now let's move on to Devil's Advocate. <laughs> so I Lisa, think this put one... on your devil horns. <clears throat> All right. So I think this is probably a little predictable, but I'm excited for it because <laughs> I like making you guys squirm. So 
This devil's advocate is going to be all about SCOTUS and the latest, uh, the latest shenanigans there. So I want you to think about how you feel about the Senate um, refusing to vote on President Obama's nominee. Should they or shouldn't they put it off until after the election? And now you have to argue the opposite. Feel free to be serious or really ridiculous about it. It's up to you, but you have to convince us. Um, and I think first up, <laughs> I think first up should be Laura. God, I fucking knew it every time. Every I was actually fine. <laughs> fine. You know what? I'm I'm fucking ready for it. I've got my timer. Let's go. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. All right. I'm starting the timer now. So here's the thing. I can totally see where the Democrats are coming from when they say that the Republicans are trying to be obstructionist, when they're trying to say that they're not paying attention to the Constitution. But the thing that we really need to consider is that there is a very strong possibility that if we have somebody nominated to the Supreme Court right now, that person is going to be a liberal activist judge. And this would completely tip the court, making the court majority liberal, meaning that every single decision that we see out of them is going to be reflective of liberal values. Liberal values are not reflective of the populace of this country. The whole point of the Supreme Court is that it is supposed to reflect the people. And when more than 50, when more than 50% of the court is liberal, that's not reflective of the people. But it has to be one of them. Either conservatives or liberals are going to have or are going to have more representation because there's nine justices. So it has to swing in somebody's favor. Right. But the whole point of that is that we should have some liberals, some conservatives, and there should be one or two moderates. Right. I, for instance, I, I, like like Justice Kennedy, for instance, who who is known to be a wild card. He's been known to make liberal and conservative decisions. My problem with it is that right now we are very likely going to end up with somebody who's going to go liberal, liberal, liberal all the time. And I want to give the court the opportunity to get somebody who's more moderate. And I think the only way that we can do that is by potentially getting a Republican in office in 2017. That's our best chance for doing that. What happens if we don't? It's going to be the same thing as as Obama would give us now. So, well, worst case said. scenario, we get a liberal judge a little bit later. But done. Wait. Oh, done. Great job, Laura. Thank you. Good job, I love Laura. that. I I love playing devil's advocate. I have fun with it's, it. It's fun, isn't it, Andrew? Do you want to go? Yeah, fine. Can you get right, Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> can I defend? Can I complain about the cursed child? No, we can do the the justice simon idea okay all right ready how long is this again two minutes two minutes okay all right go i do not believe that obama should have the opportunity to select a new justice because well one is a lot of people are saying uh, he has accomplished or sorry he 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 does we have to let the american people decide who the next justice is and that means letting the next president decide because that president will be around for probably eight years. But also Obama has done enough over the past eight years. He set enough of a legacy. We don't need more of his legacy bullshit. Um, just running through a couple of things, you know, he, he helped change uh, gay marriage in this country. It struck like a lightning bolt. Uh, how about some other things that he's done during his legacy? As of January 2016, a record 64 consecutive months of overall job growth. Isn't that enough? Does he have to do more? Does he have to, does he have to <laughs> make more change in this country? I'm fucking sick of all his change. Let somebody else cause some change in this country. Yeah. Well, and not- we also already have two justices on the court thanks to Obama. Right. He, nom- he nominated That's- Kagan and Sotomayor. <laughs> Three out of nine? Are you fucking, huh? That's the way it works. You don't get to make decisions based off of what you do and don't want in a legacy. That's just the con. It's the Constitution. You have to nominate someone. He has to nominate someone. No, no. And it's not sitting right with me that a black man would be able to choose <laughs> three justices. I don't like it. Hashtag make America great again. 
Are you sure you didn't just rip that straight from a Trump speech? No. No, um, and I mean, chances are he'd probably nominate another woman. He already yeah, nominated well, two. Yeah. We don't well, need any more women. Deciding do what tr- they do with their bodies. Do we trust women, really? I hear they're very emotional. We don't trust women because <laughs> they can get on their periods and All right, make done. a bad call. <laughs> Am I going to offend anybody with those comments? Oh, for sure. <laughs> you are. I okay. mean, I just you know s- what? I'm sorry. If if people cannot understand satire, then... Yeah. That's sorry, no. Sorry. Basically, basically, like, no. <laughs> okay, I just want everybody to know I was just speaking as somebody in the GOP. Not everybody, but some people. You were speaking <laughs> as Donald Trump. You were speaking <laughs> as yourself. <laughs> Okay. Well, you know, speaking of politics, a little more here. We had to talk about this. This is the, we used to do the political tweet of the week segment. Well, this is political tweet of the year. It was brilliant. This was by Jeb Bush on Tuesday afternoon. He tweeted simply the word America with a period and attached a photo of his personal gun (laughs) with Governor Jeb Bush inscribed on it. (laughs) <laughs> it received 14,000 retweets and climbing. It's just hilarious because Bush seems to be implying that America is defined by guns. <laughs> you know what he could have done? He could have tweeted a picture of his dick and gotten the same exact response <laughs> because that's effectively what he's doing. Seriously, Governor, like life pro tip, show everybody your junk and you'll get up to like 10% in the polls. What is he trying Easy. to do here? Is he trying to be like Trump? Is he just trying to get attention? He's, he's trying to appeal. So they're so they're trying to appeal to South Carolina right now. It's the next big state that, you know, we're going to have primaries in. He's bringing out he's he's not holding anything back. He brought his brother. He brought W. <laughs> I watched that. I'm sorry. If you w. think that's going to help you, then... I mean, that's what I'm saying, though, is that what what kind of Twilight Zone have we entered wherein George W. Bush is your best backer? Like, you bring him in, you're like, oh, look at this. Polls go up. <laughs> I haven't seen. Like, that wasn't even the case for when George W. Bush brought George W. Bush in, he didn't get. <laughs> fucking great poll numbers so i don't know what this is like it's a last ditch effort i think jeb is just grasping at straws here and like this whole gun murica thing is it's really sad to me because i think in his heart you know jeb's a decent guy he's the only sane person up there but he has been reduced to this to this pandering yeah I mean, when you're at 3% in the polls, there's not really, there's, you can't fall much farther than that. So I guess it can't hurt. Yeah. It's funny. People have been doing the same thing as Jeb, but using different photos. So, (laughs) you know, of of what America means to them. We should do some on the millennial Twitter, actually. Oh my God. A Big Mac. (laughs) Yeah. Big Mac or, or gay sex or. I'm looking at one America, and it's just a photo of Homer Simpson, or Captain America, or the White House lit up in in, in rainbow colors. Just or oh, I Guy, love that one. Guy Fieri. <laughs> <laughs> so, pretty good. Loved it. Made my afternoon. Yeah. Jeb. Jeb. You have to. You have to emote. Yeah, but I feel like his campaign more now is like Jeb. <laughs> Maybe. There's a question mark. (laughs) After New Hampshire, I saw, I follow him on uh, Twitter, obviously, and and Facebook. Uh, I saw him or his social media accounts go, (laughs) South Carolina is Jeb country. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) you can't convince people that the whole state loves you. (laughs) Sorry. No, that's going to be Trump country right there. (laughs) I'm calling it right now. Okay, it's time now for Surprise Bitch. This is where we surprise one of our Patreon supporters. Surprise! Surprise, bitch! Elisa, I had asked you, Laura, but I'm mad at you. So, Elisa, why don't you okay. pick a number between 1 and 431? 1 and 431? Yeah. Um, 331. Okay. That's Lily. Hello. Hello, Lily? 
Yep. Surprise, bitch. Surprise, Surprise. What? It's millennial podcast. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I cannot seriously fucking believe you're calling me. <laughs> Oh my god! Well, good. We, sounds like we surprised you. Where, where, where are you in this country? I am in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, studying, living life. Yeah, going to school and working. <laughs> oh, cool. Good. What are you up to tonight? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually at work right now, but I work in an outdoor mall in Nebraska, which doesn't make a lot of sense because it's really fucking cold here. So, um, I bet. it's pretty slow. <laughs> pretty slow night are you outside and freezing no it's just like an outdoor outlet mall so i'm just in my store but uh, um they're just like no one has been in like hours cool so, so yeah. uh are you a harry potter fan i'm a huge harry potter fan oh excellent so how did you react to the cursed child news I was, I'm really, really excited. I thought, like, when I just, I saw, like, a first headline, you know, a couple weeks ago that was like, maybe it's going to be a book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's just too much of a tease. But now I'm super excited. But I feel also just, like, disappointed because it seems so unrealistic that I'll ever get to see the play. Yeah. But at least uh, now yeah. you But at least to... we'll get the book. Yeah. Right. At least now you don't have to worry about going over there to get the info slash reading about yes. it through leaked tumblr post yeah or like you know watching like or just like reading people's spoilers or like watching some like crappy video of it or something (laughs) yeah so it'll be nice to get something official and like to go to like to get to go to like a release party and like go through the whole thing is really super exciting yeah we didn't talk about that i i hope everyone on the panel here attends a release party or i can't be friends with you anymore I'm for sure well, I've I've just found my my way of getting out of this friendship. You made it you made it very easy. Wait, Laura, you won't go to a release party, please. Of course, I'm gonna go to okay. a release party. Mm, I need a photo. I don't believe you now. <laughs> I'm not going for you. I'm going for me. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Lily, you may be our first uh, surprise bitch caller from Nebraska. What can you tell us? Something interesting about Nebraska or something weird? that people may not know? Um, well, Nebraska is kind of weird because as a whole, the state's pretty conservative, but I'm from Omaha, which is kind of our biggest metro area, and we're actually like a super center for refugees. Oh, um, wow. So we have, oh, wow. We have a very diverse population specifically in Omaha, and we have a, t- a lot of refugees here. Um, and actually, this whole situation that's been going on um, is getting kind of like messed up and like there's a bill in our state legislature right now which is going to make it really hard for refugees to come here so um yeah it's interesting who do you find is being like supported most for president in nebraska um oh gosh it's so hard to tell i think um a lot a lot of bernie um a little bit of hillary i mean i think in where I go to school, it seems like a lot of Bernie supporters. But as far as like the Republican Party, I have no idea how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. But have you been Omaha, to? Uh, like, on... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Is, oh, oh, what would you say is Omaha best known blue. for? Oh. oh, Omaha Steaks for sure. Or the yeah, Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks. What is that? Not a restaurant. Um, we were kind of like um, we're like our our big market is beef so they have a lot of we have a lot of livestock uh what about corn Mm -hmm. do you guys like corn yeah corn lots of corn lots of soybeans just like lots of agriculture in general oh okay that's that's exciting we also have another interesting thing we have a ton of call centers here because most people have a very neutral accent and it's very easy to understand (laughs) really that's true yeah that's fascinating that's that mm-hmm. is fascinating. Yeah, you do have you you do have a very made for television voice. I could hear you anchoring the news. Oh, thank you. <laughs> far far better than Wolf Blitzer can, who just sounds like he's screaming at us all the time. Uh, 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 Please replace him. Yeah. How did you? So I want to ask this. We, we just got done talking for about five years about Anton Scalia. What what was the reaction like? in omaha i mean you say that you know it's i know that's a 
college town, younger people there. Was it getting a lot of attention? Sorry, about what? About Antonin Scalia dying this past weekend. Oh, right. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like, you know, I see a lot about it on social media, but I haven't seen too much from like, you know, from people I know. I take a policy class every week, so I'm curious to see how we'll, if we'll discuss it in my class. Mm-hmm. Um, but seems I don't know because like I said, there's so many conservative people here, but there's a lot of liberal people in Omaha, so right. So probably maybe mixed reactions about waiting yeah to select a justice. All right. Well, and you know, I was. I mean, yeah, it's a what a mess. <laughs> yeah. All right, Lily. Well, thank you for taking our call, and uh, we're glad we actually surprised you. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for calling me. I'm so excited. Oh, good. And thank you for your support. And enjoy the cursed child. Have a good night, guys. All right, you too. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye. Okay, well, that does it for our show this week. But coming up in After Dark, we're going to have an interesting discussion here on the generational divide. And to mix it up, we're going to be calling a few of our listeners. So... That'll be fun. Who are pre-selected? Yeah. Yes. Jump in. <laughs> pre-selected. To, to wrap up the show today, we have a song here by who wants to, who selected this? Please enter this. I don't understand I, it. I, I did. Okay. So, um, to play us out today, we have selected Hugh Laurie's "Song for America." Um, we wanted to play this specifically for Jeb Bush because we know that he loves all things American. So here you are, Jeb. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matthew. See you next time for Season 2, Episode 7. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. See ya. of households that join Peloton early in the year are still active a year later. Yeah, if you like cycling to EDM. Not just EDM. Try cycling to Broadway hits, take a scenic hike in Iceland on our treadmill, or row to some 80s jams. Because I have so much free time. Whether you have 30 minutes or just five, Peloton can fit any schedule. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton tread, row, or bikes risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Lowe's knows top outdoor power equipment. And now's the time to get your yard ready for spring with Ego Outdoor Power Equipment starting at 219. Experience the latest innovations in outdoor battery power from Ego, like Speed IQ technology that adapts mower speed to your stride. Get continuous non-stop trimming with the Line IQ string trimmer and get added steering wheel precision with the E-Steer Zero Turn Mower. Shop Ego, the number one rated brand in cordless outdoor power. Only at Lowe's today.